0: Today, we are speaking with Dee Robinson. Hey Dee, how are you?
1: Hey there, Ben. how are you?
0: I'm very, very well. Dee, I'm really excited to talk with you, not because we're just both former Leo Burnetters, but uh, obviously really interested to learn more about Robinson Hill and your career. Dee is the CEO of Robinson Hill. The company was founded and scaled It's a successful concessions management company. It has expanded operations in the airport and tourist locations around the world. They work with everybody. All the big strategic partners use and work with Robinson Hill, like Hudson Group, Areas USA, and OTG. And some of the brands that you might see when you're in O'Hare or any of the other big airports that they represent are, are brands like Ben & Jerry's. Lebanese Taverna, Hub 51, the delicious Frontera Grill, and Wow Boa. So we're excited to learn more about Robinson Hill. But before we get there, Dee, tell us a little bit about you and your career.
1: Well, um, my career has been um, one that has just been a joy. And I'll tell you why I call it a joy because it's been challenging. It's been everything. But I finally realized that all of the ch- challenges I had, hardships, obstacles, were all brought me to where I do what I do today. And I'll you know, start with this I was uh, someone who wanted to be a CEO very early on, went to Penn, uh, Kellogg, and took corporate jobs and mm-hmm. thought this is where I was going to land. And Mm -hmm. frankly, once I got to the corporate world, I recognized that maybe it wasn't quite for me. And Mm -hmm. part of that frankly meant was that I didn't necessarily see people at the top that looked more like me. But the joy is that um, I also, particularly when I was in um, banking, but the joy was this, is that I was able to have the courage to say, this wasn't for me. And then also try to tap into my own strengths and needs and just take some risk early on in my career. And um, and who knows, most people thought I was crazy, including my mother. Um, mm-hmm. but the joy is that um, because of the example she set, um, the ability to go out there and do the things that I do and take some chances, um, I was able to continue on that trajectory.
0: And certainly it's worked out and you've had a fabulous career, most notably building Robinson Hill to what it is today. Tell me more about that experience and what you're working on now.
1: Yes, so Robinson Hill, uh, we just celebrated over 26 years in business.
0: Congratulations. uh,
1: Thank you so very much. And when you think about starting with maybe, well, one employee, me, and then uh, scaling up to having thousands, uh, the joy is that over the course of time, we just started to think about how to build a business. I, I'm a restaurateur, love food. The interesting thing is I actually thought I wanted to be a chef. And so wow. uh, that's absolutely true. So when I left my job at Burnett, and I'll tell you an interesting story about even there, um, I used to go and work with um, chefs in the kitchen. And there was one night with Charlie Charter. And I was able to work in his kitchen, and I remember leaving there and saying, "There's no way I want to do this." There were people much more passionate about the work. Yeah, I knew then. But I remember this one thing: when I left there, I said, "I think I want to own restaurants." Wow, That's was really in that was cool. that moment. So the things, and this is why I encourage people to go try things out before they leap. And I also say, don't do it how I did it, because I did leap. I left Burnett. I want to tell a quick story about Burnett, though. You and I know the work environment there. Yeah. And I have to also thank Leo Burnett for what I do today. I remember Mm -hmm. working 30 days straight. I was at my my desk one night, and I decided to calculate my hourly rate based on the hours I was keeping. (laughs) So you, 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 you know... We, if, we, you know, we
0: worked long hours, that's for sure. So,
1: Burnett was a lifestyle. <laughs> you know, and see, you understand that, but others are working similar hours. Yeah. Long hours. But my point is, if you're not happy doing it, I mm. think that there's a risk. Oh, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to, you know, if I don't do all this but the risk is really very little. When you think yeah. about the hourly rate, I'm like, well, I could go work for McDonald's. Or I could go work for someone else, <laughs> not how the stress, the strain and all. But the moment though does help you manage the risk and your, th- your thoughts about, am I taking a risk? To go, go do something I love. Yeah. The risk is very little when you can sort of, you know, create that hourly rate and like, you know what? What do I have to lose? And then the other thing that I recognized is that I I knew I had great education, but I Mm -hmm. also know how to bet on myself. So taking that chance did not uh, seem too risky at the time.
0: So Dee, I mean, I know you're working on not only Robinson Hill, but other things. I hear there may be some bourbon in your life. Tell me a little bit about what you're up to there.
1: Well, what's wonderful about this company is that we've learned how to evolve and scale, but sometimes we have to learn to pivot as well. So where we go from having food and beverage operations with my first one being Ben and Jerry's, and then understanding the importance of being very strong operationally. Um, And then I also talk about partnerships, how challenging they can be, but make sure that you've got the right partners where values align. And so that's how we scaled over a course of time and some of those great brands uh, that you mentioned. And then how I became even a partner with Hutto News. So I'm gonna thank the audience for supporting our wow. business out there, right? But then uh, as 2019 was our best year ever for many people in the restaurant business. And all of a sudden it was disrupted by the pandemic.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's talk a little bit about that because What a ride. I remember reading an article about the concessions industry, specifically related to airports, actually, and how it was just growing like gangbusters as people were building these new experiences in airports in 2019. And then, boom, 2020 hits. Tell me about the pandemic ride and how you guys handled it.
1: Well, first of all, it was, All right, and a rough one at that. And we went from having a banner year to literally having sales drop to zero. Wow. Um, and we were just seeing declines, you know, then it was 85% of sales, it was just awful. And then the worst part is your people, um, mm. you know, we had um, no business for them. And I actually wrote an article about um, the true frontliners because p- people in the restaurant business, people in airports, we support so many people. But during that time, we also learned about who we were and the culture we had, because it wasn't the folks' fault. Our people didn't ask for this. Mm. So I actually had to figure out how to support my team um, throughout the pandemic, and we did that throughout. And it was challenging, but we knew that we had to, but we also had this benefit. By doing that, we did have more of our people return. Our, retention, our, yeah, our return rates were a lot higher than other people's, but um, the fact is, it was challenging. And then at the same time, you can either sit there and complain and worry, um, or you can figure out how you can use that time efficiently. So I wrote books, but at the same time, I also started thinking about other businesses that we could explore. And so um, I had always been thinking about bourbon because I actually like to drink that brown liquor. And mm. um, it's, it was just challenging, but I also set out to do one thing, create bourbon worthy of the name. Um, you know, to have something that we knew was gonna be re- well received by the market, but we also talk about purposeful work. And I'm gonna tell yeah. you something. During the pandemic, I kept, I felt helpless, honestly. Yeah. I kept thinking, how can I help? And then we were all sitting there trying to figure it out, but we were f- struck with fear. And then my first effort was actually, I went out and started doing food drives, because All I right. was touched by the long lines I would see of people, people who never could imagine ever having to be in a line to get food to the yeah. family. And there was an I think it was CNN story, and they were interviewing a woman, and there were four generations in the car. She was there, her, her father, her child and the child's uh, kid four generations and they were trying to get food. So I'm like, what can we do? And oftentimes we think we gotta do big things. We can do just one thing, small things to help others. And so that's sort of one thing that led to some of the work I did during the pandemic. But it also, Mm -hmm. as I was thinking about bourbon, um, I came up with this idea of something that would also be mission-driven. And so the bourbon uh, called Good Trouble. Good uh, Trouble. Is yes, it's something I'm incredibly proud of. And many people, about um John Lewis when they hear the name. But real quickly, that story is really uh my story growing up with a mom who saw through my books and who my company is also named after. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had an older I had an older sister who was Helen Wills. And so when you get that first child, you learn a lot 10 years later, and you she used to say to us, the only kind of trouble we could get in was good trouble because my th- my sister, got in all the other kind. So, but it was how I started thinking about how do we make uh, impact in this world? I'm using bourbon as a catalyst, as a tool to to start brave conversations, spirited conversations about some of the social problems we have in the world.
0: Wow, that's great. I'd love to try it sometime. I think I was a heavy consumer of bourbon during the pandemic. (laughs)
1: There there were two major industries that did incredibly well during the pandemic and the liquor business was one. And maybe again, why many of us said, here's a nice pivot for my food and beverage business. And uh, we went to Kentucky to make this bourbon and and, and, um, work with an eighth generation uh, master distiller. But to your point, a lot of people were drinking it, um, yeah. it's the industry, and then I also am a trustee for the PGA of America's Foundation, and the golf industry as well has also uh, blossomed during this time. So, yeah. you know, but I think that's what you do in any situation. Instead of thinking about what's the worst or what could happen to go wrong, think about what the opportunities are and what they present. Yeah. And 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 that's what we. Do.
0: I I love it. I love the way that your mind works and how you pursued other avenues for innovation and opportunity. And now we're seeing the world awake again. And certainly, I mean, going back to your core business at Robinson Hill, I mean, wow, talk about a roller coaster. Go from success to then everything quiets down to suddenly now we're. Everyone's traveling everywhere. Everyone's out and about. Tell me about what the trends are right now in this space.
1: Great question. Um, first of all, um, our challenge today is how do we maintain uh, or create sustainable growth, but do that in the face of a very disruptive labor market. Our biggest challenge is, and uh, really is how do we keep our stores open because we don't have enough people. Yeah. Uh, our O'Hare business is challenged to, to this day. Uh, we don't have all of our operations open, and yet there's tons of people coming oh. into the airports. The, also, the consumer or the passengers changed a bit. It is not as business versus sort of your tourist, or family traveler. So spending is also very different, but it's also now figuring out how do we create uh, businesses offerings that actually now cater to that demographic. Um, We Mm -hmm. also lost um, the Asian market in particular that drove a lot of sales. Uh, That will return, but the the challenges of how do we engage employees now? How do we get them? And actually I've had to be more creative and really do untraditional things, try to find team members. You just can't put an ad in the paper or put something uh, posted and expect that they're gonna come. Um, So we're trying all sorts of things from referral programs, contests, um, you name it. We're trying our best to find people. But something you and I talked about um, before about culture, though, it's important that they know who they're coming to work for. I don't think we always tell people here. Here's what you're going to get. You give them very traditional things. Let them know that they're joining a family or whatever that culture of your company might be. I think that's how you attract team members and then also meet them where they need to be met for instance we now provide transportation i mean we'll give you we'll pay for your um your in our case here we got the l but whatever transportation service whether bus or train we will buy those tickets we're actually Mm -hmm. trying something kind of innovative i'm a little concerned but that we're going to pay you every day there's a we're actually testing at o'hare were people getting cash regularly?
0: I'm not gonna lie, you know, D, you That's- and I know, like we both grew up doing jobs. And uh, one of the jobs that I had in college was I was a mover. And the, the thing I loved about this job, now again, remember I was a freshman in college, was that every Friday we got paid and we would get an envelope of cash. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, I you know, there was something about that. Now, obviously, lots of people don't use cash anymore, but there was something about that immediacy. So I think the idea of getting paid every day, I can see how that psychologically could be a huge advantage.
1: Well, it's true. And I, I'm glad we're doing it in test mode because I mm. also something I did very early in, in my career in concessions. I actually changed how we pay people because guess what? You mentioned being paid on Friday. Mm my peak period is the weekend. What we were learning is you get paid and guess what? You're gonna go out and have a really good time. And I have the greatest number of calls. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, that money never lasted longer than like Monday morning. <laughs> uh,
1: but to the point, we suddenly recognized yeah. two things. It's hurting our business to pay yeah. on Friday. So we moved it to Monday. But by doing that, you know what else happens to your point? I actually now think people are smarter about what they spend their money on because of the way. So we did that many, many years ago. And I encourage other people to think about it, particularly if you have businesses that are driven by having team members in place on the weekend. But this new uh, concept of cash uh, daily, again, it's a test, but it is something because we do have to now meet them where they are. This is a, this is the laborer's um, time. They, they mm-hmm. are the king and queens out there and they, they dictate how we act, but let's listen to them. And yeah. I think if we do, we're gonna find that we have uh, a stronger employee pool.
0: I love that idea, actually. I'm excited to hear how that goes and develops. But Dee, I mean, when you think going forward, I mean, we got out of the pandemic and we seem to have jumped you know, from the frying pan into the fire, so to speak into a world with high inflation, some of these other lovely challenges that we're facing. I mean, how are you thinking about navigating, let's say the next six to 18 months? What are the big issues on the horizon? Where are you going?
1: So I think first of all, what we're trying to do is figure out how we, we're a new company, um, You know, the new normal and what that means. Mm-hmm. Also recognize how, labor rates are increasing. So, I mean, they're telling us what we got to pay them. And so it's also forcing us to be stronger um, operators and, and really focus on operational efficiencies. How do we um, uh, manage supply chain? You know, a lot of people did not even really think about it until the pandemic, right? But it's really trying to look at everything. Also in looking at new businesses, following the trends, where are things going? and trying to be ahead of it as best you can. And so right now, again, that's why we moved into the bourbon business where we're looking at other opportunities that will strengthen our business. You know, when we actually opened one of the first Lebanese uh, Mediterranean concepts, we mm-hmm. were looking at the trend that people wanted healthier, fair. I had this right. one concept that bombed and, uh, and it just did. It was healthy fries and all of that. But I, I was um, really just persistent in finding the right thing. And then Mediterranean showed up. And, But it's the same kind of thing. What else are people looking for? And so we don't have all the answers yet, Vance. Yeah. But I know one thing is that um, what we're pursuing in this bourbon space is exciting. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of my work too is now focused on you know, women empowering women. I just got appointed to the XM, you know, the export import bank. And thrilled to be on the Council for Advancing uh, Women in Business. And there's a particular need to help women, and women empowering women is just part of my uh, passion, mission, and the work that I do, but also helping folks in that space. So, we're also doing a lot of work and investing. I'm a venture capitalist. Uh And so, we invest in women in terms of uh, technology. I'm involved with an organization that focuses on scaling women in the uh, life science technology spaces as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Looking at technology as well, back to my business, what technologies do we need to introduce um, mm-hmm. to the business to help us you know, continue to grow?
0: I love it. And I mean, I can only see big opportunities. There may be trouble ahead in various areas in the big economy, but hopefully it's good trouble. Good trouble.
1: Good trouble. That's exactly right. That's what we like. I used to think about being on a golf course. People like golf course. I'm like, yeah, good trouble being right. And, you know, the ball hits right there before it goes in the bunker. (laughs) That's good trouble, right? Good trouble. Good trouble. Exactly.
0: Uh, See, uh, it's been great talking to you about everything that you're working on. If someone wanted to learn more about Robinson Hill and some of the other areas that you're focused on these days, where's the best place to find you?
1: Well, you know where I'd love to send everyone right now is I wrote a book called Courage by Design. And if they go to that website, Courage by Design, and they can also navigate to my uh, Robinson Hill USA site there too. But that book uh, truly is something uh, I want many people to think about reading because what I learned during the pandemic and fear, we need fear keeps us from living our dreams. And I believe we should be anywhere our dreams take us. Mm -hmm. And so when we have the courage to hear, the courage to act, and the courage to do the right thing, um, many opportunities are going to open up. So I really just want to inspire the world to go out there and and live a life of joy, fulfillment, and purpose. The book has called, ten. the subtitle is Ten Commandments Plus One. One is how we went at Um, Mm DE&I. We really have to find a way. And I wrote an article for Forbes about leadership, accountability, and uh, metrics we need to just get out there and figure this problem out and that's also what we're trying to do with the bourbon but it's been a joy talking with you band and yeah you do this all day.
0: i've loved talking with you and i definitely recommend courage by design and also congratulations on the growth and success of the business and really the great advice that you've provided our audience today on how you navigated the pandemic and how you worked through it, how you've developed new ideas coming out of it, and how those are now being put into action. Dee, it's been amazing having you on Uncaged, and we look forward to having you back.
1: Well, thank you so very much. It's been my pleasure. Cheers. Cheers.